good to see you you out here. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Romans 15. That's where we'll be headed to in just a few moments. Y'all are quiet today. <clears throat> but it's good to see everybody. I know we've been uh, battling a lot of different things uh uh, with uh, sickness and uh, kind of the new peak in our state as well as our country uh, fighting this pandemic. We're going to talk some more about that in just a little bit. Uh, but uh, uh, <clears throat> the Bible says, don't be anxious for anything, but with everything, our prayers and supplications be made known to God. Uh, he'll take care of us. And so that's where our confidence is in. And so uh, I want to hopefully through the Word of God uh, pull us together a little bit today in Romans 15 and uh, maybe also ease some of our fears. Uh, to get started, uh, Aniston's going to come up here and read Scripture for us. Uh, now, um, she plays softball. She is 15, is that correct? Yes, sir. 15 years old. Uh, man, that means you're getting close to driving age, right? Yes, yeah. Has your dad bought you a car yet? Not yet. Right. Come on, Dad. Step up there. Uh, now, he's probably saying, oh, Mike, I could just kill you right now. Uh, but uh, she had won two state cross-country meets uh, two years in a row. So I guess he figures you don't need a car. You can run that good. So, <clears throat> But uh, she's going to read our scripture for us, okay? Romans fifteen thirteen says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much. That uh, that verse is, we're going to be wrapping up with that verse. I want to kind of start and get it read and get it put in our brain just a little bit. I love the idea of overflowing. When something overflows, uh, matter of fact, uh, uh, back when I was... Single, living here, going to school. I uh, had a buddy of mine. Uh, I always filled my cup, always right to the edge, you know, pretty close when I was when I was drinking something. And so uh, 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 I did that before I was a Christian, unfortunately, and I did it after I was a Christian. Just different stuff in the cup, you understand that. Uh, but so anytime he would pour me a drink, he would pour it all the way. I mean, just as right before it was overflowing and I couldn't even pick the cup up I'd have to sip some out of it before I could grab the cup so we know what it means to be filled but just overflowing means all of a sudden it's just dumping out and continually dumping out onto the table onto the floor everything says this is this is the result this is where we want to end today you would want to end with this kind of hope that's just, I mean, overflowing the cup out onto the table, out onto the floor. into uh, We can't get out of it. We walk in it everywhere. It's just overflowing hope. All right? We live in a time where people need some hope. There's been there's some difficult times, right? Uh, our own church family suffered a very difficult time this week with the loss of our brother, Clark. And uh, uh, his family needs hope. Uh, we need hope for this uh, uh, out of this old world that's difficult that we live in. And so in the middle of that, Satan loves to attack us and cause disunity and division because he knows that's one of the things that steals hope 
from people's lives. Al did a great job laying out. Uh, I started to say he did a great job with disunity, but I want to word that a little better than that, okay? He did a great job laying out the problem of disunity and disharmony last week in Romans 14. And so you have the strong and the weak that he talks about. And uh, the strong, some of them were strong they, uh, and others weak. Some come out were converts that come out of a Jewish background. And so they were still celebrating things from the law that they really didn't have to, but they kind of felt like by conscience they had to. Others were out of the pagan conversions, the pagans that were converted out of special traditions they had, they're trying to hang on to. So you had these weak and strong brothers, and, and they're trying to figure out, how do I work together now in this one family? Because they were having a problem with uh, uh, demanding or looking down on each other for uh, one reason or another, uh, whether it was the sacrifices or the eating of the meats or whatever the problem happened to be. Uh, they were struggling to keep unity within the body of Christ. And at the heart of the problem really wasn't any of the law. The heart of the problem was selfishness. And the heart of the problem was losing focus on what was most important. And that is Christ and being like him and everything we do and how we treat other people. That's the big thing. And so, uh, by the way, there's no, you know, in the original deal, there's, uh, in the writings, there's no chapter breaks. That didn't, chapter breaks didn't come to us till like the 15th century, you know, for our English versions and so type things. So, chapter 14 does just carry right on into 15. It's the same subject. That's why this is kind of part two of, of the lesson Alan started, uh, last week. And so, uh, we, uh, I want to take us back and pick up a verse out of Romans 14. Before we dive into 15, 14, verse uh, 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 17 and 18, he says this. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but it's, uh, look what he says, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way, he's pleasing God and he's approved by men. Now, I think it's really important to get. Because he says that the, the kingdom of God it's not a matter of this other stuff. It's really a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy. But guess what? Satan takes the other stuff, causes division and disunity within the body, and when he does, it destroys righteousness, it destroys peace, and it destroys joy. If you don't think that's true, just think about some time when you've had a major conflict in your own family. Uh, maybe you and your wife had a big fight last night. Uh, no, I, nobody told me anything about you. If, if you're sitting there thinking, how do you know that? Uh, but uh, uh, maybe there was a big, and, and, and all of a sudden, you, you know, you can't go to sleep. Uh, the problem, it's just, uh, 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 it just steals your joy. It steals your peace. And, and you don't feel right about things. Think about that. Isn't that what he said? The kingdom of God's about righteousness, peace, joy through the Holy Spirit. Now, those aren't things I can produce. Those are things the Holy Spirit produces through me by the Word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. So unity is not something that man makes happen. It's something that God makes happen in the lives of people as He calls us from all kinds of variety of backgrounds, right? I mean, all kinds of different backgrounds. Uh, I was in the uh, uh, I was in the other uh, in the instrumental service a while ago, and I was looking around at different people. 
Um, you know, you get to miss some folks. You want to kind of physically lay eyes on different folks and say hi and that kind of thing. And so, uh, but there, there's, there, there's joy. There was peace. And I thought, what a great family we have at our church. What a blessing that uh, we can have such unity within the body of Christ. And we can have a, uh, an example of people living right, righteousness. We can have an example of people who are at peace with things and people are joy. But I'll tell you what, we live in a culture. Turn on the news. How much righteousness, peace, and joy are you seeing around there? There's not a lot there. Then where in the world are our neighbors going to find it? They're going to have to find it through us, God's people, as we engage and embrace the people around us. We have something to offer. Chapter 15, verse 1 through 6. The first thing I want us to know about this idea of unity and helping each other is is that we need to be people who are thinking, let's be helpful. Now, look what he says. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Let's talk about this strong weak for a minute. Uh, this word for strength, it comes, it's, a, it's a word, it's dinotos, and it means with strength. The word for weakness, it just adds a letter in front of it. And it's adinotos, which means without strength in the original language. It's a little play on words here in the language. And he says that the strong, those with strength, strength, what we should do is we should carry, this is the idea that not put up with, not tolerate, but carry, take the burden of someone who's without strength at that time in their life and can't carry, the, can't carry a burden. That's the concept or the attitude that we ought to have towards someone who is burdened. We're all weak and strong at different times in our journey, right? This is not like these people are always strong. Everybody on this side is strong. Everybody on this side is weak. It's not like that. Now, it's real funny because most people always think they're the strong one. You ever notice that? Unless they want to use the verse in a way to get what they want. And then they want to claim to be the weak one. Well, now, you know what? You, can't, you shouldn't do something that offends me. I'm the weaker what? How many times have I heard that? I'm the weaker brother. So you ought to give it. Look, like the weaker brother is not the griping brother. The griping and complaining brother, he ain't the weaker one. Because the weak, griping and complaining brother, let me tell you, they're strong. They're plenty strong. They'll get up. But I'll tell you what they like and what they don't like. And how, how the cow ate the cabbage, you can look that phrase up sometime. And it's not actually a Greek deal. But, you know, I mean, they're going to tell you. They're not weak. They're strong. The weak person was the guy that thought something was wrong. For example, in this particular case, eating meat, said it maybe been offered to, uh, to animals, sold in the community, offered to a God, sold in the community, and picked up whatever. But he, what happens is he thinks he can't eat it, but he's scared to say anything about it. And those that are strong that know that they can you know, they make it such a pressure thing where he won't speak up and he'll go ahead and do something that violates his own conscience that he thinks is wrong. And he'll give in to that 
because of the other brothers around him, whether they belittle it or they say, come on, don't you can't be wrapped up now. I really, you think that's nothing wrong with that. And that's the weaker brother. Got it? The weaker brother is the one that will give in sometimes to what he thinks is sin because he, he can't bear the burden of it. Or he can't understand why you do something and you're free to and he can't. Look, you listen? We don't always have the right to do what we have the right to do. Think about that one. Put that in your hmm box, okay? We don't always have the right to do what we have the right to do. Those who are strong should carry, take off the burdens of the weak and not just please themselves. So here's the problem. It's a selfishness problem. It's our problem when we're trying to keep unity in the body. That we ought to do good to our neighbor we are instead of, and build him up instead of tearing him down. For even Christ did not please himself, but it's written, The insult of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scripture, we might have what? Hope. He wants us to have hope. So he says, look, you bear each other's burdens. You become unselfish. You remember Christ. He's the one that set the example. And you depend on God to help bring about what you need to. Look what he says. By the way, you depend on the Scripture, too. That's what he said. What Scripture is he talking about? The Old Testament. Because that all, when you look at how God put up with us and put up with his people over and over again, yet he kept making a way for them to get back right with him. Man, I am encouraged by the mercy of God. It's like the Romans 12 passage. In view of God's mercies, when you can view back and see how much God's been merciful, in view of that, I present my body a living sacrifice. So then he says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity, or some versions say harmony, I like that word. Uh, uh, among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be helpful. Carry your brother's burden. Uh, lift, lift it off of him. Make it easy for him. Be like Christ in being unselfish. Get encouragement and endurance by looking back at God's Word. And then let the Bible and let God's Word be powerful to give you some strength in life to walk through. And as you do, when the, God brings about this unity and this harmony, you do it with one voice. We praise Him and we give Him glory. God gets the glory. We get the encouragement. And then we're right where we need to be. I love the idea, by the way, of harmony. This thing of pulling people together. Uh, John, thank you, uh, brother, on, uh, uh, for the harmony here uh, uh, with the worship team. Uh, Ryan, uh, uh, you guys did such a great job, man. Uh, one of those songs you did earlier about the battle, you know, belonging to the Lord, that kind of thing. I loved uh, that song. I love the harmony there. Harmony, pulling together. Differences pull together. 
You see, Satan wants differences to pull us apart. We live in a world that does anything to pull godly people apart. Our differences are political. That wake everybody up for a minute. Our differences are cultural. We're different nationalities. We're different race. One guy told me one time, he said, Mike, I think we need to be colorblind. I said, oh, no, I don't think so. The body of Christ needs to be colorful. Because God brings in all differences and uses them in harmony to give Him glory and say, here's what God does in Christ. He brings everybody together. Matter of fact, that's the very thing this chapter is going to talk about in pulling the Gentiles in with the Jews. We have differences of all sizes and shapes. We have different education. Uh... I don't know what your education level is. I don't know where, where you at. Where, uh, uh, it, it won't, we won't tell anybody. It won't be bragging. Anybody here, were you a straight-A student? We got any straight-A students in here? It's okay. Yeah, t- uh, both of you. We're glad you're here today. Uh, I mean, my kids, they get their report card. I'd be proud of their, you know, accomplishment on that. You know how it is. It's important. You know, you're starting to graduate. Somebody's senior year, and, and it was something to say that they were in the top 10% of their class. You know how that is, right? You know? Well, I was in, the, I was in that part of the class that made the top 10% possible. You know what I'm saying? We're at different intellectual situations. We have different opportunities for education. I just got finished two weeks ago preaching in a hate in a church that's made up of Haitians in the Dominican Republic, and I, I told you I spoke English. It was spoken in Spanish, and then turned around and spoken in Creole to a whole group of people who have very little opportunity for education, but they are growing in the Lord so much. I am not more valuable or better off than them. And I'm not stronger because I somehow or another had an opportunity to go to school and they didn't. That's nothing to do with your value. You and I are valuable because God created us in His image. And with all of our differences, regardless of what they are or why they're there, God saves us through the gospel and brings us into a body of Christ that when that unity exists, It becomes a message to the world. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you what? Love one another. Say it with me. Love one another. One more time. Love one another. That's how the world knows. They look at this group of messed up people in this room, in the other room, and all over our live stream. They look at the, uh, uh, sorry, live stream, I didn't mean just to totally insult you, but I mean, if you're tuned into us, you're messed up too, right? So, uh, I mean, look, we're all, we're all this messed up group of people, and God brought us all together into a forever family, and that becomes the message to the world. Someone looks into our group and says, well, good night. If he can help those folks, he can help anybody. That's right, because all of us have the same need 
for his grace and his mercy. Then he says in verse 7, not only are we helpful in those first six verses, but he says be humble. Look here. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Accept one another just like Christ accepted you. How did Christ accept me? He accepted me, remember Romans 5, when I didn't care. He accepted me. He even died for me. When I was still ungodly and living ungodly, God looked down and loved me so much he sent his son to die for me. While I was still a sinner, Christ died for me, the ungodly one. I love that chapter because then he says, then how much more? is he pulling for us when we try to live right humility we must accept people regardless of their backgrounds and their views and the, uh, the things that we might disagree accept why because God Christ accepted me and all my mess ups it was uh Really disturbing to me one time. I, I was a, a, a couple came to visit us, and they were sitting about halfway back here in the auditorium. And I stopped and was talking and visiting with them. And uh, uh, they really didn't have any faith background, but uh, uh, they were from uh, uh, West Texas, and so uh, had a lot of tattoos and uh, you know piercings, uh, that kind of thing. You know, uh, uh, kind of like that guy one time had all these piercings. Kind of, it looked like he fell in a tackle box. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it was kind of like that. And, and so I talked to them. I'm like, man, I'm glad you're here, whatever. And and and, and uh, uh, I said, do you have any church background or anybody, any place you go? Or are you just traveling through? Why? Yeah, uh, now we're traveling through, one to visit. She said, I tried to go to a church one time uh, where I live. And I said, oh, she said, it was a terrible experience. And I said, terrible? She said, they told me. That if I came back, I needed to wear long sleeves to cover up my tattoos so no one would see them. I couldn't help but think about this verse. Are you kidding? What about all the sins in my life and in my mind that go unseen? Oh, there's some covering up going on all right. But it ain't covering up tattoos with shirts. Humility. We need to understand we're all in this thing together. We all need the grace of God. And one of the things that helps eliminate problems with one another is understanding we all come to this thing with our faults and our mistakes and our mess-ups. And God loves us anyway. Be humble. Do you know what it feels like to be unaccepted? Have you ever walked into a room of people and you realize you're not really welcome and wasn't invited to that particular group of folks? Ever had that happen to you? That can never happen here. We must accept what's happening even in the church. We accept one another. And we accept folks coming in. You know, sometimes it's difficult. Our, 
our pride gets in the way, our differences get in the way. We have some pretty strong opinions, don't we? You have any strong opinions? Our governor announced a mask mandate. Which, which by the way, let, let's, let me say something about about our governor. He has been he's been very gracious to us as religious leaders. He's offered communication to us and conference phone calls and different things, uh, and I appreciate that very much. Uh, he is not citing, writing up churches that do one thing or another. I, and I appreciate that too. And look, someone asked me, said, Mike, what's, what's your stance on that? Uh, look, you're grown people. You're grown people. Make up your own mind. But don't you dare belittle somebody that's different from you. Or we're going to have a Romans 15 problem. I was at a, back early in the pandemic, I was traveling and my daughter was with me. We were in Arkansas and I went into a steakhouse and we, it just opened. I mean, just, I mean, just unlocked the door. I'm there early. And so, boom, we walk in. We're the only people in it. Sit down at the table, you know, take our mask off. We'll get ready to drink and eat, whatever. And so... I get up and I start to go to the restroom. Now, remind, there's not one person inside of me. And I'm walking over there and a, and a guy uh, uh, hollers at me, a worker hollers at me from across the room, Sir, sir. I didn't even know he was talking to me. I'm like, you know, because, I mean, who calls me sir anyway, right? So I'm like, and, and, and he said, Sir, you need to put your mask on. I, I was going to the bathroom. He's like, you need to put your mask on. You know what swelled up in me? It wasn't humility. It was pride. First of all, I wanted to say, the common sense is there. there's nobody in here. It's just me. Unless you've got a crowd waiting for me in the bathroom I don't know about. I mean, I'm saying, outside, I'm like, hey, we're, you know, it's I'm the only one in here. But I... Okay, thank you. I just I, I put my mask on, you know, and, and, and went and came back at the table. And uh, uh, Kristen was kind of smiling. She said, he rebuked you, didn't he? <laughs> well, what bothered me about that is I think she kind of enjoyed it. That's what really kind of got me. But I thought, you know how easy it is for us to give in to our pride and that ugly thing come up and then be ugly. We can't do that as God's people. We can't do that with each other. We can't do it with the people we're running into out here in our community. You, you be nice. You be kind. Be gentle. Practice the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Those things will be useful to us. You know, uh, and I admit, hey, I don't much like wearing masks. And I know some of you probably don't. Some of you, maybe you do. Uh, some of you probably wish I'd have wore a mask way before pandemic. I don't know. Uh, it uh, might have improved my looks. But uh, uh, I admit, you know, I want to try to wiggle out of things. Uh, we were flying back from the Dominican Republic. And as long as you were eating or drinking something, you know, you could take your mask off. And so I bought a Coke and I sipped on it for two hours. Uh, just, I, you know, I get a little bit 
I don't know, claustrophobic or something there. And sometimes, and but I said, you know what? I got I got to do the I got to do the right thing here. They've asked me to do this. I need to I need to be I need to be aware, be conscious, be kind. Yeah, enough said about that. Okay, be be sweet to folks. He says something else here in the next few verses, from chapter verse eight to the end of the chapter. He says, "Be hopeful." So the first few verses, first six verses, be helpful. Then be humble, and then be hopeful. He says, "For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth." To confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy as it is written. So he says, look, Christ came and he's going to fulfill what was written and he's going to serve the Jew as well as the Gentile and fulfill the things that are written. Now, this is interesting because all these next few verses, here's what he does to prove you can have hope. Anybody can have hope. He, he quotes verses from all sections of the Old Testament. He hits the law in Deuteronomy 32. He hits the writings in Samuel. He hits, uh, uh, he hits the prophets in Isaiah. And then he hits the psalm writer in, in, in the psalm and, and wisdom literature. He hits each section of the Old Testament in this one section of Scripture saying that that whole Old Testament still, that whole Word of God had a message of hope. For Jew and Gentile to be brought together. Isn't that amazing? Neat how he does that. Let's read a little bit of this. Here's what he says. Uh, So it is written, Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I'll sing hymns to your name. Again, it says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations, the Gentiles will hope in him. So the, all the Old Testament scriptures testify that this was God's intended plan from the beginning to take people from Jew and Gentile, pagan, to pull them all together to be in harmony within the body of Christ, that they could all have hope in one place, and that's in Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't that a great message? Basically, he just took the Old Testament and preached the gospel. Say, here's where hope is. Now, it was always God's intention to provide a means of salvation for all men. Probably the most familiar verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world. That he gave his one only son. Don't you dare let anyone ever tell you different. Any doctrine that says God doesn't love the world, you run from it and stay as far away from it as you can get. The Bible says simply for God to love the world. It ain't rocket science, people. God loves you. He loves me. And He sent His Son to die for me. He gives me the free will to choose 
whether to follow him or not. But when I choose to trust the blood of Jesus, the power to live for him comes from him, not from me. We're saved by grace, nothing else. I cannot earn my way to heaven. I don't work in order to be saved. I work because I'm already saved. And then all my failings and weaknesses, even among the body of Christ, God's people's there to help me. God's there to help me. The scriptures are there to help me. And lo and behold, we find out here the Holy Spirit dwells us to help us. Look at all the help we get out of this one chapter. That's why I love this last uh, verse that he says here. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you, here's the word, as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing destroys hope, joy, and peace in a church like disharmony. We of all people, even in difficult times, should be overflowing with hope. Overflowing with hope. Out loud with joy and inside filled with peace. And that becomes a testimony to the chaotic world around us. I got a vaccination for you that everybody ought to take. You want a vaccination? I got one for the chaos around us. Inoculate yourself. With Romans fifteen thirteen every day, and make that the theme of your life. You be a person that's overflowing with joy, a person filled with peace, a person that's overflowing with hope, and you that character will stand out. That light will shine in a dark, chaotic world where people are running around scared. Remember, we said from the beginning, choose faith over fear. Choose peace over panic. And choose health over harm. Let the character of Christ shine in your life. That not only is harmony created within the body of Christ, but that whole body becomes a testimony to the chaotic world we live in. Has the enemy taken advantage of you? Has he stolen your hope lately? Have you let this whole uh, fear of our culture and things around going on in our culture, have you let it dampen your spirit? Is it discouraging? Can, it can be discouraging real quick, can it? If you, if, you, if you watch the news and listen to all the things happening, you can real easily, real easily get down and discouraged. It's not that that doesn't happen to God's people. It's just that that can't be where we live. We have moments of fear. Sure we do. But we, we don't, that's not where we live. The consistency of our life is faithfulness. The consistency of our life is joy in the middle of chaos. Because our hope is in a resurrected Lord. His body came out of the ground. Mine's coming out too. And I don't care what I die of. It doesn't matter but whether I survive this particular disease or that particular thing, it doesn't matter. One day, this, this old body right here, it's going down. It's going under. I'm going to die. What hope do I have? 
hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ who paid the price for all my sins. I can live with Him forever. I got something way better than this whole world to look forward to. Because of the gospel of Christ. That's why I can overflow with hope. That's why I can still have joy and peace when the whole world around me is running around like a chicken with its head cut off. Remember how Christ accepted you and give grace to others. Don't forget these three verses that we started with. I want to read these verses again. Underline them in your Bible. Write them down. Put them somewhere where you'll see them. Be useful to you, I think. It's useful to me. Helps me. Romans fourteen seventeen through 18. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing God and approved by men. Romans 15, 5 and 6. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then Romans fifteen thirteen, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you, you want in on some of that kind of overflowing hope? That's what's offered through the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. When a person says, I don't want to live like that old world anymore. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I want to change, repent. Well, they're baptized into Christ, which is an act and experience of grace. It's a reenacting of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. When a person does that, their whole life starts over brand new. But like we like to say back home, brand spanking new. It's called born again of the water and the spirit. All because of God's grace. All because of God's grace. An experience of God's grace. Because I can't do anything to rescue myself. But God rescued me through the story of Jesus. And in that rescue, he gives me overflowing hope. If you want in on that, or if you want prayers for whatever might be stealing your joy or stealing your hope today, that's what our invitation's about. Look, we're forever family. We always say if no one responds alone, we'll gather around each other, we'll pray together, we'll help each other on this journey. We're not we're in it together, right? We're in harmony and we're going to at the body of Christ help each other walk this journey, walk in the light. And we're going to give God glory as he makes things happen in the world around us. Father in heaven, we love you. Thank you for the day. We give you the glory and honor in all things. Forgive us of our weaknesses. Forgive us, Father, of our pride when we treat people ugly, when we've been wrong. Please, Father, give us unity. May we be a testimony of your love by how we love each other. 
Father, if there's any unsettled heart in here today, settle their hearts. If there's anyone, Father, that needs to respond to you, give them the courage to do so. Father, thank you for the overflowing hope that we have through the one called Jesus. In his name we pray with the help of the Spirit and the church said, Amen. If you have a need, let's come while we stand and sing.